All right, welcome to Miduele Podcast, episode 38. I'm Stuart Anderson. Thanks for joining in. Just a short introduction before we start with Melissa Rollins. Melissa, a local pro here in Utah. She uh, started racing pro this summer with the Team 2024 and uh, just had an incredible race season and an amazing year that she talks about how she trained, how she prepared, uh, her history of getting into the sport and how a weird 2020 kind of led her into uh, what happened this year where she just crushed and had an amazing day at her big A-plus race at Leadville. So she's going to talk about that, her experience there with a the coach and what she's learned from her coach and then some tips for all cyclists, whether it's uh, you know young and old, four things that she's done to help keep her healthy and strong and happy. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. I brought Cher along. She's so uh, fun to have with us. And especially uh, because she rides with Melissa a lot and knows her better than I do. So she asks some great questions and explores uh, Melissa's life better than I do. So thank you, Cher, for being on. Uh, Grateful for both of these beautiful women who are part of the podcast. Uh, Moving forward, kit order closed. Um, So we're now looking... Volley is producing the clothes, producing our team kits. Uh, I've been asked to add some things to the kit order, which I cannot do. Once Volley puts the products into, into production, that's it. And if we add things to it, it bumps our production a day, which in turn bumps other teams' production a day, which sets everybody back and back and back. So unfortunately, I can't add things until the kit order opens again, um, which... Hopefully, we'll inspire you to get your kit orders in. Uh, we'll do two more kit orders, one in April and then one maybe in, in late June or July. So uh, looking forward to that. All the, the great new white gear from Volet. Uh, finally, Team Camp, get it on your calendar, March 17th through 20th. We'll be down in St. George enjoying hopefully hot, warm spring weather together. Uh, we can only dream that that's coming. So uh, that's it. All right, enjoy episode 38 with Melissa. Grateful for her and thankful for Chair for joining. Um, enjoy. Thanks. All right, welcome, everyone. What's up? Stuart here. We're grateful for another episode. Uh, thankful to have my two lovely guests. If you're watching the video, look at us. You ladies look beautiful. <laughs> you look so handsome. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> this is all video filter. Uh, Melissa Rollins with me and Cheryl Jordan with me. So, so grateful to have you both. Glad to be here. (laughs) Thanks for inviting us. Okay. We're starting all new podcast now with this, uh, current training status chair. What is your current training status? You know, I had a little crash on the road bike, uh, broken hands and surgery. So a little bit of running, hopefully maybe February, March, back on the bike. Normally I'd be doing some strength training right now, but I'm just kind of, you know, moving every day a little bit, some hiking, whatever it takes. Getting Sorry. out. Sorry, bummer. That's a great positive attitude. Very good. <laughs> okay, Melissa, current training status. Well, that was a really good question. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I like take a week off here and there. Mm-hmm. I'd, go for runs whenever I feel like it. I'm not into the cold weather right now, so I haven't really been riding unless it's midday, um, which doesn't seem to happen very often. So training status is not that's good. hundred right now. Fine. Training We're status t- is off season. Full very off good. Season very good. That's great. Very good. 
That's great. Mine is unchanged from last week. Currently um, making poor decisions by going to Orange Theory with my wife, which is basically like a torture chamber in the dark. So <laughs> those goblet squats will kill you. Oh, please. <laughs> the freaking rower, please. All right. I'm going to give. Um, so if you don't know Melissa, uh, I'm going to give a short introduction. Um, Melissa is our, our guest today. Chair and I are going to be interviewing her. It's going to be awesome. And uh, Melissa's coach, Sarah Kaufman, wrote this short bio. You ready? This is so good. Okay, ready. Uh, Melissa was introduced to writing by her parents. You might be surprised to know that initially she hated it. It wasn't until turning 18 and discovered how her work ethic rewarded her on the bike that she really began to enjoy it. I can't wait for that story. That's going to be great. Melissa came to me for coaching in 2019, burned out from running and riding with uh, only a budding interest in racing. I recognized her willingness to work and her coachability, a trait that encapsulates a lot of qualities, but to me largely means humble and curious. <laughs> I like the, that's great. It took about a year to dig Melissa out of the hole she was in. I can't wait to talk about that. But after that, she really started to become a star on the bike that she is now. I've learned so much from coaching Melissa and like everyone, I'm excited to see what else she can do to date. I don't even know what this word is, by the way. Some of her. Uh, Palmarid. Thank you, Chair. It, I, will it's you define a, that? It's a race resume. Accolade. Accolade? Cycling, it's a cycling race resume, basically. You Your can achievements. Tell you can tell someone's intelligence level by their vocabulary. So thank you, chair. <laughs> it includes a win at the 2021. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Shawanigan. <laughs> thank you. And firecracker 50, the 2021, uh, park city point to point and lead boat. Le that is Leadville to steamboat, right? Yes. Leadville followed by steamboat the next, the next day. day. <laughs> yes. Second place. Second place. Yeah. Second place. Uh, BWR 2020 fifth and which BWR was that Cedar, Cedar city? city. Okay. Yeah. One thing to note as part of her lead boat podium, she was sixth at Leadville. That may not sound like a huge result, but the field this year was stacked to date. Only 12 women have gone under eight hours at Leadville and six of them did it this year. Melissa was one of those six. Oh, that is so cool. We can't wait to talk about that. Okay. That was great. What a great introduction. Your coach. I know she did such a good job. I'm going to cry. You didn't help her at all. Like that was just all her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she told me that you wanted her to write an intro and she's like, I got, I got it for you. <laughs> she's a pro. Awesome. She's what a, a pro. pro. Well, chair is, uh, chair, uh, is, with me, I thought this would be fun because you guys ride a ton together, in my opinion. So you guys are like really close, very good friends. And I thought it'd be fun to have Chair come on and ask these questions. It comes from a better place than me asking them. So Chair, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've learned so much about Melissa on our, lately we've been kind of jogging around the trails and um, I just continue to learn more and more from her every time we're together. So I know a lot about her, but I want you guys to understand what makes this girl tick and how she's achieved everything she's achieved so far. So Melissa, I think it's so interesting. You're just starting with your background as a kid, kind of what sports you were doing and then what led you to cycling. 
Yeah. So my parents have always, you know, been interested in endurance cycling. They've been doing Leadville since I was a kid. Like my stepdad's done it 23 times. My mom's done it 16. So it's been, you know, in the family <laughs> forever. Holy mo- This is the bike ride. Yeah. The bike race, the, the race. mountain bike race. Okay. So wow. my mom's done it since like year 2000. I was a child. So it's, it's been big in my family forever. I was introduced to mountain biking and I hated it. My, <laughs> yeah, we, we would go for like little rides around Lambert park when I was a kid, maybe like early teens. And I remember I would just wreck all the time. Like anytime there was a rock, I would just wreck over it and I would cry <laughs> and I hated it. So I found more passion, I guess, for uh, sport in soccer. And I always swam. So I kind of did those uh, joint, jointly growing up. And I, I always put a lot of effort into both of those but I was never particularly good at either of them. It seemed like I was putting forth a lot more effort than a lot of my peers. And I was always kind of like mid range. Good. I was always on the good team, but I was like benched or I, I made it to state, but I was like last. So (laughs) it, it kind of like, it didn't seem as rewarding in either of those sports, but that that's kind of what kind of, got me into um exercising and whatnot can i ask a quick question coming from a parent who has a 13 year old did your parents do it right like do you look back and you're like oh they this was not how i were they over did they press you too much was it like just the right amount like how did that go i they didn't press me at all i of course they wanted me to like it but i just wasn't interested. I, I actually am not sure what necessarily got me into it eventually, hmm. but mm, probably a boyfriend. <laughs> Everyone needs oh, like, a, that's it. Podcast <laughs> over. like a teenage <laughs> boyfriend to, to introduce them to it and <laughs> disclose that it's actually fun. Nice. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say that my parents went about it the wrong way because I don't think they did, but hmm. I would just say that don't give up hope that your kids aren't going to that eventually mm. like it. I think they could. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, didn't you, didn't you do your first Leadville pretty, pretty early on when you had not been biking very long? Right. So, okay. Back to, um, when I was in high school, I swam a lot and like cycling a lot. When you swim a lot, you develop a big appetite. So (laughs) I would eat a lot. And then I went to college and stopped cycling or sorry, stopped swimming. And I gained the freshman 15, probably plus a few. And I was super sad because I just wasn't interested in anything else. And so I remember a particular day I think it was in 2015, 2016, like late 2015. So I had been in college for a year where I went over to my parents' house and I was like, 
I'm so sad. I'm not into any sports. I tried running, but I wasn't really into it. And so coincidentally at the same time, my stepdad, who is Eldon Nelson, he at the time ran a blog that had, I don't know, quite a few readers. Um, he had actually just won a mountain bike in a raffle. It was a scalpel too. So a Canada, <laughs> like a nice Canada. And he had nice bikes. He didn't really need it. So he won the bike in a raffle and he offered it to me. And this is what sparked something in me. It was like a perfect storm of, I was super sad. I didn't really have anything other than school to be interested in. I had this huge base because swimming is incredibly time consuming. I was doing two a days in high school for swimming. So I, I knew how to work hard and I had this huge engine developed. I knew how to suffer hmm. in, I mean, as, as a swimmer, if you've ever swam before, you just suffer in your own head for like the whole workout. You can't <laughs> listen to music. You're so, staring at the bottom of the pool. Like, you, yeah, yeah, you're just like, talk about flow state right there. Like I knew how to get into it, but, but I just didn't have that desire to bike really until um, until this was offered to me. And I was, and he said, you know, maybe you can ride this bike and maybe you think about doing Leadville on it and you can have it. So that's what got me into biking. Dang, that was fun. <laughs> so Wait, I kind how, of jumped into the deep end. And how old were you then when that happened? I was 19, 18. Okay. Yeah. 18. I think, I think they had just barely allowed 18 year olds to start racing Leadville. Hmm. So I, Impressive. yeah. So I, I just trained the way that they did, which was, I rode a little bit during the week. And then I did horrible, crazy long, like hundred mile rides that made me want to die <laughs> on the weekends. <laughs> Slowly. I was never good at climbing. I, I did not figure that out until later. But I always liked descending, which is kind of what kept me on the bike. But and and did you have a coach through any of this? No, you were just no. you were just making this up as you went along, right? Yeah, it seemed like it was working. It was, I, I guess my parents had decided that the gel diet when you're on the bike is like the way to go. Like as long as you eat every 30 minutes a gel, yeah. then, then you're good to go. And you know it worked. Like I finished Leadville my first year trying it after you know, riding my bike for approximately 10 months and I ate 22 gels. So. Wow. <laughs> my stomach hurts thinking about that. <laughs> Did you mix in any of those old nasty power bars? That was probably, no, no. 100% I think gel. she's too young. She's too young too. <laughs> I did gel and water. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The, got that little like timer on my Garmin to go off every 30 minutes oh, yeah. just in case I forgot. Smart. Yep. There you go. That's the key to success. And then, so did you, did you grow up in Colorado or did you guys grow up here? I grew up in Orem. So oh, I'm okay. Yeah. Born and raised Utah. Okay. I lived in Colorado briefly, but only for, <laughs> I lived in Leadville. So Leadville's strong in the fam, but <laughs> that's yeah. a place for your family. I know. Always in, always in Utah though, mostly. So how many Leadvilles have you done then? 
I have finished four and started five. We can get into that, but oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cheryl, anything else? Anything else about background here we need to dig into? Well, so what made you decide to get a coach and kind of step it up to the next level? Like what changed to where you thought, you know, I want to take this serious and see where it takes me. Yeah. So after my first Leadville in 2016, I, I just learned that I loved biking and the only way I knew how to do it was just huge miles. So kind of the funny thing that I loved was this, uh, fundraiser thing that my stepdad would put together called a hundred miles of nowhere where all the proceeds went to, <laughs> um, I think it, it was either world bicycle relief or camp Kesem, which is a, uh, a camp put on for kids with parents or people in their family that have had cancer. So anyway, uh, both nonprofits that meant a lot to my stepdad. So um, he ran this fun event that you choose some segment, you do a hundred miles of it. So I, I remember specifically, we did this one, <laughs> this one segment up before Cascade Springs was fully paved to the bottom. So we started at the Cascade Springs, like actual Springs yeah. thing. And we yeah. climbed to the top of the Alpine loop and we did it seven times, which equal to hundred miles. And, it, and like, Ooh. I love that stuff. This so, is way before Everesting was cool. <laughs> right? Yeah. It was Easy. only half an Everest, but it, it was fun. <laughs> and I loved that stuff. That, that was totally what I was into. I loved riding. And so eventually, uh, what, I'm not sure what got me into getting a coach from that, but I think eventually I got super burnt out and I wasn't sure if I wanted to ride anymore. And there was this little bit of running that I actually ended up doing <laughs> and I got super burnt out, decided that I wanted wait, to wait, wait, stop. Just a little bit of running. Didn't you run the Leadville 100? 100. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't yes. just like dabble. You didn't dabble oh in running. God. You kind of went all in. Yes. So I, I did a little bit of all in running and a little bit of all in biking all at the same time, which equaled a super, super, super burnt out person, me. And I, after that decided that I needed a coach, which is the hole that Sarah was referring to when she met me. Yeah. And when she says that hole, was that just physically just torched? I mean, what is yeah. I hadn't actually realized how bad it was when I initially hired her. Um, but like, for example, I couldn't, I had this like 10 pounds that I couldn't lose and I had no desire to be exercising at all. Like I lost all ability to go hard or do hard things after that, mm. which is weird. Like I used all of it in the Leadville 100 run <laughs> and, and I couldn't get it back for almost a year. And, um, yeah, that that's basically what she helped me get out of. How, yeah. what did she do? Just, she just really monitored how much I rode, hmm. I think made it more like strategically, like made my hours count instead of what I was doing before, which was just 
a lot of volume and not a lot of structure. So dang a year. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. But it did, it took a full year before I was excited to be on a bike again. Hmm. Yeah. So then fast forward a little bit and you start racing and you start seeing some success. Was there a moment or a race that, you know, you had a light bulb go on, like, I might be good enough to be a professional. Like this might be something I can take pretty far. Yeah, actually. So what's weird about 2020. So I started with Sarah in 2019, early 2019, super burnt out full year in 2020, there was no racing. So I had no idea how fast I was. And the only reference I had was Strava and like, I was okay on Strava, I guess, <laughs> but what does that even mean? So it means I, you stole every single queen of the mountain you could possibly steal. Right. I knew who you were before I knew who you were. <laughs> it, it did his job, I guess. I don't know. But, but there's always those people that you're like, you're just fast on Strava. What is that? I mean, I've never seen you do well in a race. So I jumped into my first 2020 race as a midweek mountain bike race. And I didn't even know who was there. It was in a time trial format which was perfect for someone who did Strava only. And I just went out, went really hard. And then I looked at the results and I was like, holy crap. I just beat Sophia Gomez Villafane. <laughs> and that was the light bulb moment where I was like, crazy. I am not just Strava fast, maybe. <laughs> so maybe. that was my maybe. light bulb moment <laughs> of she's like, I might, she's an I might do this. <laughs> <laughs> I but, just beat an Olympian. Yeah. Pretty yes. impressive. Yeah. So that was, that was my moment where I was like, okay, we're, we're going all in, we're going to do this. And it was really exciting. Yeah. And that was late 2020. That was yes. Late 2020. Okay. Then so, you went all in. Yeah. Go all ahead. In. Yeah. So all in training all winter. And finally, you get a real race season this year. You had amazing results. What was your most satisfying race this year? Not necessarily your best result, but what was the most satisfying? Probably, it's hard because I, I probably have two. I have two big results from this year that I think are probably my most defining results. One of them being, of course, the lead boat combo, just putting together a good day at Leadville was all I wanted for the year, just because it's so important to like my family. And it, it's kind of crazy when you think about something so much and you actually come to that day and it, it like goes well, but I feel like a lot of people don't have that happen. And so for it to come together, that was really cool. I, I mean, I felt good for all of Leadville and I came in sixth, but the final, you know, five miles of the race, I could see Katarina Nash in front of me, like crazy. crazy. Like what? <laughs> it's just like insanity. Mm -hmm. So that, that was for sure. One of the highlights of 2021 for me, but I think the secondary highlight of 2021 race wise was the one that Stu couldn't pronounce the Shawanigan. 
or the Chewbacca, as I like to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chewbacca firecracker. Yeah. Tell, no. pe tell people what. Sh say it again. Shawamigan. Shawamigan. Yeah, Q H always makes the noise. Wamigan. Yeah. What What is that race? And then so, and then why was it special? The Shawamigan is a race in the Midwest that is kind of a it. I should have looked up when when it started. It's it's been going for at least forty years, but it's probably one of the biggest races in the Midwest. It's a 40 miler. It's on the Birkebeiner trail. So it's big, wide road, but lots of punchy Hills. And it's attracted a lot of, you know, Olympic level pros over the years. And it was my biggest, I actually ended up winning it by one second to the sixth time champion. So I dethroned the champion there and it was in front of a, a huge crowd. It was insane coming through the finish line. There was like over a thousand people cheering. And when it comes down to something like that, it's like a almost sprint finish. It's crazy. So I have a dream. Yes. And I had just signed with 2020 or sorry, 2024 <laughs> right before that. So actually putting together a really good result right at the finish of a huge insane race that was that was crazy <laughs> okay we got to know more about okay so the listeners just found out <laughs> so you signed as a go you got to go back okay so you <laughs> signed. tell us about how that happened yeah so i signed with 2024 a week after i was second at the Leadville Steamboat lead boat. So, which is like every amateur's dream, right? To finish a race and you get back from the race, you go back to your hotel and you have a message on Instagram from a manager of like probably one of the best female professional teams in the right. US. Yeah. <laughs> who wants, wants to talk to you. <laughs> like that's insane. So mm -hmm. that that's how that happened. So I I signed with 2024 and I was previously on kind of my own gig with Hangar 15. Like I had made my own kits through Hyperthreads and uh was just kind of do racing races with Hangar 15 on my kit. And so when 2024 asked if I had any like sponsors through the end of the year that I needed like basically she asked if I could be on the team now and I was like sure yes <laughs> so I finished out the season with them I went and raced Shawam again I, I raced point to point also with them and good result there I ended second um and then Shawam again I ended up winning which was really cool so yeah that's how that happened so awesome wait uh we have one more detail here. The steamboat Leadville thing is ridiculous. So you explain what it is and then how did you even accomplish putting your butt back on a seat that next day? Well, it's terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> um, so Leadville in itself is a six to 12 hour day, depending on who you are. For me, it was just under eight. And 
um, man, I just really focused on trying to fuel well and trying to fuel well afterward, I guess, because in, in practice, right. As long as, as long as I like eat, eat well on a ride, I feel okay after it kind of, but so I didn't want to get behind. I guess I should back up <laughs> Leadville, <laughs> or steamboat or what is it called? Lead boat. Lead boat. Lead boat is the Leadville 100 on Saturday, followed by the steamboat gravel race, which is 144 miles in steamboat Springs, which is two and a half hours away driving distance from Leadville on Sunday. Who, who thought, who thought that up? Is that a real, is it a real thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a real but thing. This was, this was the first one, right? This is the first year they've done it. Yes. Yes. This is the first one. Um, I think it was thought up by a combination of the owners of both events. Okay. Cause I kind of thought when I saw you guys do it, I was like, Oh, this is made up. This is something that they're like, Oh, what, what else could we do? That's dumb. I could not believe it was real. No, it, it was thought up, I guess, by one of the owners of lifetime and one of the owners wow. of steamboat gravel. Okay. So. Okay. So, so Leadville ends and you're just like, let's get in the car. Like, like I mean, we- it's a little more complicated than that because okay. that's what I should have done. Oh, <laughs> right. You should jump in the car. Okay. Drive, get over to your destination as fast as possible, but more complicated. I had a family who's racing. I wanted to see them finish. Uh, got it. So, <laughs> so hung out, saw my family and then rolled over to Steamboat and ended up getting there at like 9 p.m. Wired. I probably slept like three hours that night. <laughs> and you got on a different bike, right? <clears throat> I got on a different bike and I jumped in mid-pack, which was also bad. I should have jumped into the front. Anyway. Wow. Of Steamboat Gravel. So what yeah. was your mindset going into steamboat like you knew you were going to go all in for leadville it was so important for you it was an a a plus race like was the plan just i'm pre- i'm going to hang on maybe survive at steamboat and oh, then is sure. that what happened yeah <laughs> but you finished really strong smiling and towards the <laughs> front of the race yeah it was it was pretty cool actually i ended up doing a lot better than i thought i would at steamboat I was rolling in like 15th for a while, but what happened is that the top four lead boat ladies actually found each other at like mile a hundred of 144. So we just kind of, I don't, I mean, we were going fast still, but we kind of rolled it in together. And that's why it was so much like happiness and camaraderie coming over the finish line because we just did a crazy thing and we all did it together. Insane. Yeah. That was my longest ride, 144 miles. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, coming off the day before when you had done like your absolute hardest day ever. Yes. I should have used more chamois cream. That's all I can say. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and can you ask, uh, we might as well just say, can you ask one of your sponsors for that? Doesn't your sponsor, doesn't your sponsor take care of you in that department? Yeah. Now. Now, now, now they do. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, any, anything else, Cher, we want to ask about the transition from amateur to pro? Well, I guess just in general, like what changes for you now? Like what's different? 
how will you approach the sea, the off season and the season knowing nice. you have a, a big schedule ahead next year? Man, I, I don't know, because I feel like I, I prepared pretty well for this year. So why change something that's not broken, right? Mm. Or fix, try to fix something that's not broken. I, I have a really good feel, I think, for my body and what I need. So kind of just continuing to listen to myself, I think is going to be super important in the next, you know, coming into the next year. But for nice. sure, bigger I feel like I have more expectations coming into next year. <laughs> so Melissa, are you balancing a job as well? Like a real job? Yes. I actually am a full-time chemist at AREP laboratories up by the U. Okay. Um, I have a pretty peculiar schedule though. I work seven days on and have seven days off. So I work seven, 10 and a half hour shifts followed by seven days fully off. <laughs> that is wild why um it it optimizes uh instruments so if you can have i guess actually i i was gonna say it optimizes instruments why i work the schedule that i work which is i work from like noon till 10 30 p.m and that is in order to optimize instruments I'm not sure why there's seven days on seven days off. Maybe huh. it's I just... could ask, should I ask him? Yeah, you should ask him. <laughs> That's crazy. It, yeah, but the the schedule itself, the noon to 10 30 p.m. actually works pretty well for me because then I can train in the morning. I can actually get in like a nice four hour ride before I go to work, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, I was prompted to ask Melissa to be on because of something she posted to social media, which I thought was very interesting. Um, so last week you were two weeks ago, you were talking about your mental, your mindset, uh, kind of like resetting and where your mind is now in the off season, which I think is interesting. Um, I have never trained with like heart rate or power meter. Um, so I've only had those devices for two years because I, I just didn't care. I was like, whatever. And then I got a new bike and I was like, okay, maybe I care. And then now I, I connected with what you said. Cause I'm like, I'm staring at this stupid device even now in the off season. And I'm like, how did I ever accomplish what I was doing? And this is like kind of sad out riding right now. And I really connected with what you said, which was, um, it does take a toll mentally to like race, prepare, perform. And like, I'm not even a pro I'm like a dad. So, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I would, <laughs> I'd love to talk to you. I, I think this is an interesting part. Like, how are you managing this mindset of yours? Man, I, Honestly, this off season is a lot longer than I had expected it to be for myself. I, I see, I mean, and this is what kind of prompted this or prompted me to talk about this because I feel like there's this thing that you see among pros, at least, I mean, social media is, you know, kind of a, a front anyway, but I feel like I see this on social media where 
people are like, okay, 14 days off the bike and then we're ready to go on day 15. And -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to take 14 days off the bike. And you want to know what happened on day 15? I was like, okay, I want to take 15 days off the bike. (laughs) And then it was like 16. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe 17 and then it's just like I don't know and then I got back on the bike and I rode for a week and then I was like maybe we need to do another week off and so and and it just hurts to like think that other people are ready I'm I I just can't believe it I so again I'm really in tune with myself and I feel like when I'm ready I'll know it but I'm just not ready and it's been six weeks of no structure so that, I think it's good to hear that though. Cause I was talking with Casey Armstrong, who's another professional cyclist. Uh, she raced for live racing or live factory. And it was nice to hear that she also felt that way where she's like, yeah, I've, I haven't had structure for six weeks and I'm not ready for it yet. But going back to what you said, you being just a dad, that's not just dad. Like no. you ride at 5 a.m. and you have to run to work and you have to then run home and, and make dinner and you have to play with your kids and you have to like factor all of that in. I would say you're probably under more stress than I am. Hmm. So you going through the same thing of needing time to reset is totally understandable. And I think that needs to be recognized and also talked about. Me too. Yeah, 100%. When it's, it's, it's good for the mental health, but it's also good for your body to change it up. And like over the years, I've had to really try to find winter activities that make me happy to kind of get me off the trainer, let the fitness fall. Like that's a good thing, right? We need our bodies to kind of relax, do some other things you know, integrate some different muscle movements. Um, what are the, some of the things that you're doing right now? Cause you're staying busy. Right. I, so while it doesn't seem like perhaps the normal off season, because I've been racing a little bit of cyclocross, I always see that as off season things because I don't ever run during the season. Well, except for, can we just mention that last weekend, she um, <laughs> She won the state championship. So we have the state championship cycle cross. Didn't you beat your coach? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it was a good fight. That's fun. Um, (laughs) I mean, I always, I don't, I don't put structure into it. I think of it as fun. I think of it as I mean, I'm only doing it because I like it and it's fun. The second it's not fun, I'm not doing it. I, I don't train for it. It doesn't have that same mental, you know, what you're just talking about, how you fixate on all of the, you know, heart rate power. It's not that for me. I don't have, I don't even have my GPS showing when I do it. I don't have a power meter on there. I also, for these last six weeks, haven't worn a heart rate strap because I don't want the ability to look at it. I I mean, I go for runs and I don't even record them. They don't exist. So that's, that's how I do it. (laughs) That's great. Does your sponsor, does your team, like, let's say you arrive at a, 
does your team also adopt this mindset that you have? Like, I mean, does that weigh on you? Like the expectations of what they want? Honestly, they're, they push for more rest than what I do. Hmm. So they, they're pushing for me to take, I mean, they, they definitely are not super stoked on the cyclocross stuff, but for me, it's like, a chance to hang out with my friends and like ride just for fun and focus a little bit on skills. But I mean, they're super supportive of having an off season and they're not going to push me to start training until, you know, I really feel ready for that. Nice. Chair, you've managed this for your cycle life. Any advice that you have for like, I mean, I know you just shared a little bit, but anything else that you do to reset kind of like off season? I think it's, it's all the things we talked about. It's not looking at the numbers. Don't look at the heart rate. And then it's finding other activities, not necessarily all exercise, right? Cause we all tend to gravitate. Okay. I'm going to skate ski. I'm going to hike. Right. I'm going to, now I'm going to get a snow bike. <laughs> um, but you know, so those things are all fun and they, they mix up the exercise, but it's finding other things too. You know, what else do you enjoy doing? Um, again, just that mental break, because then when you've had enough time off that you're kind of hungry for it and you're willing to get on Zwift indoors and do a race and turn yourself inside out to stay with these fake people, <laughs> these avatars, um, <laughs> you know, then, you know, you've taken enough time off when you're ready to kind of go all in like that. Nice. So Melissa, when you, whenever it is that you are ready, um, one thing that I find interesting is you never rode indoors a single day last <laughs> That's year. Right. So help us understand how, and then is that going to change? That really became kind of a badge of honor, though. I felt like you really pushed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, the reason that I never was indoors last year is because I needed, I mean, I rode a gravel bike and it was a European brand focus, I guess, German. Um, and it had like a different size oh, through axle. <laughs> so I would have had to buy an adapter I actually had a trainer. I just would have to have bought like a $60 adapter that I didn't want to. So just outside, just Which up. you know that at the Jordan household, I'm sure we had that very thing for you yep. laying around. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily this year I have a pretty sweet setup. It's currently set up, so I'm ready to go on it. Nice. Um, eventually. I forgot that that you did that. not write inside. I forgot. <laughs> We would see her pictures, of, mm -hmm. you know, on Instagram with the braid covered in icicles, <laughs> eyelashes frozen. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Hopefully less of that this year. We'll see. Is there is it it Zwift in your future? Are you going to do some Zwift racing? There's absolutely Zwift in my future. 100%. Look at that hat. Of course. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I should also have a Zwift hat on. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yes, you, we always kind of ask, uh, as we, as we wrap up, as we conclude some advice, uh, things that you've learned over your, uh, career or your life when it comes to cycling, training, balance, can we move into that? Are we good? Yeah. Chair. 
Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay. I know you've prepared. Go ahead. Um, okay. So my four tips or pieces of advice are to one, which is very cliche. I feel like everyone will say this one. Don't take yourself too seriously huh. because at the end of the day, we're all just like kind of weirdos wearing, you know, superhero suits on bicycles and (laughs) so don't take yourself too seriously just have fun with it I agree um secondly listen to your body Hmm. when it's telling you that it doesn't want to ride bikes maybe take a day off of riding bikes I know (laughs) more is better more (laughs) (laughs) no I I learned that one the hard way I and when your body doesn't want to ride bikes, probably also doesn't really want to run. It doesn't want to do something exercisey. It doesn't want to go to Orange Theory or F45. Is that where you go? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so just listening to your body, knowing when to take those breaks, because if your body's trying to tell you something, it usually is trying to tell you something good. Nice. Um, my third piece is don't fixate on things or sorry, don't fixate on needing all of the nice things. Mm. Cause in my experience, nice things equal like the lightest things. And for me, I didn't ever see it necessarily mattering to have like all the lightest, newest, best things ever. You can still be fast on not the nicest things it's more about the athlete <laughs> it's peace. the, the engine Dave? matters more than the car yes. than the tool <laughs> yep there you go there you go and last fall let winds be bent let me say that again last of all let winds be wins i feel like I, over over the last year so many times i've heard People say stuff like, oh, well, I only won because this person didn't show up or like, this is my PR and I'm super excited about it, but like, you're probably faster or just let wins be wins. Like you can, you're allowed to be excited for stuff that are exciting to you. So I think that's so prevalent for women in this, you know, in, in Utah, like the cycling community is fairly small. So we all have the tendency to say, oh yeah, I got third, you know, but there are only five people. Well, it is like the toughest of the tough that show up to race these events. And any of, the, any of these races, even locally, that you show up to do, like, you know, it's, it does, yeah, don't discount it. It's, a, it's the cream of the crop that shows up. And if you can do well, it's a win. For sure. And if you are winning or if you're doing well and you're like on top, it doesn't mean that you're going to be on top all the time. So just let it be a win, you know, be excited about it. That's right. If I have a 40 mile an hour tailwind going on Wasatch Boulevard, totally. I'm going to take that KOM. I'm going to take oh, it. Oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. Because that's when the previous KOM took <laughs> exactly. it. Oh, you had a tailwind. I'm like, so what? <laughs> Let wins be wins, Stu. Yes, yes. Yeah. Tail wins are wins. <laughs> That's awesome. 
This is great. Very, very wise uh, advice. Chair, um, anything you want to add to that advice? You are very wise. Oh, it's just because I'm old. No, um, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I would just say um, a lot of us listening to this podcast are pretty serious about our sport and we have races we sign up for a year in advance. You know, we have races we train months and months for. Um, and that's great. And it's great to have those goals. But I think there's so much more you can get from cycling. Um, I was telling Melissa this, I have friends that I've been friends with for 20 years that I literally met outside on a bike. So I would just say, you know, take the opportunity if you're going to spend that many hours on the bike to make that your social circle. You know, for us ladies that ride together a lot, it's our therapy session. And, you know, no longer do I have work friends and bike friends and different circles of friends. These ladies that I ride with, they're my friends. They're not my bike friends. So I would just say, you know, get everything you can out of cycling. Um, it doesn't have to be all about punishing yourself or results or all of that good stuff. That's great advice, Chair. Um, one thing I have to share is yesterday at my house, arrived a gigantic box of waffles and syrup. And I don't even know, Melissa, what is in this box, but I already ate two of the waffles. <laughs> uh, and it came, it did not come from you. I mean, it came from you, but it came directly from the feed, which is wild. I've never interacted with this company before. Can you talk a little bit about them? Because they're one of the companies that sponsor you. Yes. So the speed or the speed. <laughs> the speed. <laughs> I'm thinking about next year already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the feed um, was one of my first really big sponsors that I got individually. And they're my only sponsor that I've been able to keep um, around with 2024. And they're also my favorite. I love them. They're really good people. They know a lot about nutrition. So basically the feed is a all-in-one place where you can buy any type of cycling or running, any kind of like athlete food that you need. And it's all in one place. So and they've kind of curated like the best, what they believe the best products are, right? Mm -hmm. It's like right. a pretty selective group right and all the people running the feed are all athletes themselves all all of what they're saying is tried and true so they really know what the best stuff out there is and they've really helped me to kind of get in touch with what you should be eating while you're exercising to optimize your performance because previously um, I, I would just do like the tried and true gels, gels. <laughs> and it turns out that stomach gut bombs the next day or <laughs> are not necessary. Like you don't have to go through that every time you ride a bike <laughs> So good. <laughs> and yeah, they have, they have a ton of waffles. If you're into waffles. Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite bike food <laughs> right now? My very favorite at least I would say there's like casual bike food and there's race bike food. And my very favorite race bike food right now is the never second brand gels. 
mm. which there's a few of those in your box. They taste like otter pops. Oh, They're amazing. Yes. I know. <laughs> I had the Rip Van waffle. Unbelievable. So good. So just good. as a snack, just as a <laughs> random snack throughout the day. <laughs> I opened the box and I was like, I freaking love waffles. So I just ate one that night. I just ate it. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> There's some I, fat waffles in there too. I saw, the, I, we didn't the open waffles. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. That was really fun. That was a great, that's like a Christmas gift. Like send that to someone as a, as a gift. That was for so sure. fun. For sure. That was great. Give everybody ideas for Christmas mm-hmm. gifts. Yeah. Like some of those Vermont maple syrup shots. Yeah. To put on your waffles. <laughs> so good. Awesome. Yep. Melissa, we are, Miduele is your biggest fan. I'm so excited to watch you. I will drive you to point to point. I will drive you anywhere you need to go. Yeah, we didn't races. talk about how you drove me to point to point. It this was year. awesome. What a great <laughs> At 5:30 day. 5:30 in the morning. <laughs> Thank it you. So fun. That was the funnest day to have you and Kristen racing and whatever this team can do to help you. Um we are we're doing it. You're awesome. Thank you. I'm big fans of you guys. You guys put in the work at times that I'm still asleep. So I seriously, seriously, kudos to you guys. Love seeing it. <laughs> Maybe one day I will be on Zwift at 5 a.m. and yes. I will ride with you guys. <laughs> no, don't. Cher doesn't join anymore. So it doesn't. No. Nope, <laughs> okay. Well, it. I'll promise you one ride in the future. Okay. Great. Cher, <laughs> anything else as we wrap up? No, but it's been, it's been great. I, I, like everyone can't wait to see what you do next year we're so excited um so hopefully we get to do this again a year from now and hear all about it thanks ladies appreciate it thanks for having me thank you